It's not about what you do. It's about who you do it for and who you do it with that matters. That's how success will come. This nugget leads perfectly in our guest today, Hunter Warner, who is a professional hockey player for the Iowa Wild. He was a 2013 USA Hockey All-American and the host of the Truth and Love podcast, where his goal is to share the journeys of inspirational and influential people and the battles they go through every day. Today, we talk about the importance of truth and love, what it takes to become a professional athlete, and why keeping your own glass of water full is so important for the ones around you. I filed Hunter for a while now, and we have very similar mindsets on life and what you can do with it. I'm super pumped to have him here today and for you guys to listen to his story. Thanks for listening. Hunter, welcome to the show. It's, it's awesome to have you. We had a little um, pre-conversation just getting to meet each other, but I've been following you on Instagram for a while and listening to your podcast, and I'm really excited to have you on our podcast now. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here, man. I'm, I found you on Instagram, and ever since, I've just been like loving your stuff, and I'm super excited that we have the chance to collaborate here and should do an episode together. Yeah, so do you want to tell people a little bit about your background, um, where you're from, uh, how you got into the world of hockey, and then other passions and things that you like to do? Yeah, for sure. So um, a little bit about myself. Um, come from a big family. Got four brothers. Um, really tight family, close knit family. Kind of a like the Italian type family, but we're not Italian. Just uh, so we love. We all love each other. Um, we're all pretty like minded, like hearted as well. Um, we're from a small town in Minnesota called Pine City, Minnesota. Okay. Uh, yep. I know where that is. Yeah. Small town. Not many people do. It's a population of like 2,500 or something. Yep. Uh, super proud to be from there. Um, I feel like it just played a huge role in who we are as people, my family. And then, uh, we later moved to the cities to, for better opportunity in hockey. And I'm really glad we did that. Met some good people and got some good opportunity from it. So played high school hockey at Eden Prairie for two years. And then from there, I was able to advance in my career, but I'm definitely thankful that we had the, the bigger opportunities in the bigger cities, you know, so I had to do that. Um, big part of me is my faith. Um, I think that plays into who I am as an athlete and also who I am as a person. And uh, yeah, in summary, I think that's a little bit about myself. For sure. So you talk about the, the move from the small town to the, the bigger town. I, I'm interested in that because my hometown is uh, Gilman, Minnesota, which is um, 260 people total. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the move to the cities to St. Thomas and I did it um, during my call at looking at colleges and around. So making that jump again for the better opportunities. What um, what was that big step and deciding factor in making that jump? And then what were some lessons that you learned from that? Yeah, for sure. So um, a couple deciding factors in that move was my older brother was currently playing varsity hockey in Pine City. So he was in high school. And that's, uh, as you know, as an athlete, it's a pretty crucial time to be seen for the next yeah, for like the next stage or whatever. And he was already playing varsity in Pine City. And he would go into the summer tournaments with the kids from the cities and um, just see that they were a little more advanced, had more exposure. And it was just something that he thought would, my parents and my family decided to be good for him to move to the cities and so he could have exposure. Also, my dad's a pastor of a, of a church called the Rock Church. And he was commuting from Pine City to Burnsville, Minnesota, twice a week to preach. Yep. So it kind of just worked out really well for um, his job as well to move to the cities. And then also for us as kids to have more exposure, more opportunity. Okay. And what, what age were you when, um, cause you said your brother was in high school. How old were you when you made that jump? I was in sixth grade when I made that jump. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. What was the, I'm just interested in what you felt like the, the biggest difference in almost community and just atmosphere and the things that you learned from going from that small school of probably knowing everybody from the grades above you to below you to maybe not even knowing everybody in your class. Yeah. So I was in sixth grade and it was honestly like culture shock, you know, at 12 years old, you're just from a small town. Like, you know, I lived on a farm. So like I'm, I'm going outside, like peeing in the yard, like yeah. <laughs> my brothers and I are like playing football in the yard to a neighborhood. So that was weird at first anyway, like we'd always be running on our boxers. My mom was like, yo, like you can't be doing that anymore. <laughs> like we're in, the, we're in the city. And then, um, another big culture shock was like going to the school for the first time. I think it was like, um, uh, you get your class schedule, you meet your teachers and maybe like, it's like picture day or something. If I remember. And, uh, I was just blown away by, I mean, the people dress different. They look different. Um, uh, it just, it was really weird. I was not, not used to such a big middle school even, you know, um, 
it just, it was really weird. And I honestly, I was really taken back at first, but then I really ended up loving it. Uh, yeah. Once sports started and I started making connections and uh, it was really good for me. Do you think the uh, exposure and the, that double exposure helped you later on in your career of having both that, the, the knowing what that small net and small town community felt like, and also having that big exposure to the big city? Do you think they both um, helped you in the future and going forward? And if so, how? Yeah, I think it helps me a lot because I think there's something to be said about small towns. I think it's kind of like everyone knows that there's a difference between the city and the small town or like suburbs and small towns. Um, the small town is more like, um, I know you have a saying that's like, I've seen since like keep chopping wood or something. Yep. It's just, it's the small town. It's like, you kind of um, put your nose to the, to the stool and just kind of do your thing, mind your business, work hard um, and quietly and just do your thing. And um, the big city is more like, it's more exposure. There's more opportunity. Everyone knows everyone, everyone's more well connected. And I think it just, so you have a little bit of that small town vibe to yourself, but then you also can use that to benefit yourself with the connections formed in the cities, you know? No, I 100% vibe with that because that's, I feel like I I've taken, I've always taken that small 10 mentality of you, you always have to do everything because everybody's going to, you know, everybody around you. And if you aren't doing your job to like the best of your ability, everybody around you is going to know that. And then taking that same, like you said, to keep chopping wood mentality to the big city where when you're doing these things, now you have much more opportunity you have many more eyes on you, but you're also keeping the small town lessons that you've learned of yeah. you're always working, you're always going at it. And I think something like the, the small town people that stay in their small towns, they struggle because they never get that exposure. They never get that thing that is able to take them out to that next level. And I think a lot of the big city people, they, they lose a little bit of the, the, the keep chalking wood mentality of you, you always have to be doing your best because they haven't had the, the, the experience of every single person in their town knows exactly what they're doing at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that I want to go along with that too, is, um, now that I'm an adult as well, like, I think it's like also employers, um, friends, relationships, any of those people's dream for like that small town mentality, because it's not about attention. It's not about hype. It's not about, uh, like all the lights, camera. It's just like, I feel like people mind their business, they do their work and they just bring their best to the table and quietly do so, you know? Yeah. Which pays off totally in the long run. And that's what, like you said, employers are really looking for that because they know it, it almost goes back to the point of it's not, it's not what you do when people are watching and what to do when nobody's watching. Yes. That is the, that is one of my favorite quotes ever. And it's so powerful. It's so true because that's what really defines you as a human, what you do. It's one thing for me or for you to say these things to each other, but when no one's around, it's like, that's who you really are. Like, what are you doing when no one's watching? You know? That's yeah. The, the, yeah. And in that moment, there's no payoff for what you're doing. And, and I'm not, I'm big into, and this is maybe how I rationalize it in my head, but when nobody's watching those things that you're doing are what's going to pay off when everybody is watching. So going in that realm, but you have to know, and you have to realize like, it's almost like delayed satisfaction or delayed reward of in that moment, nobody's, nobody's watching you work out in that gym. Nobody's watching you write those programs or do whatever you're doing in the darkness. But when it comes to the light, you have to be ready for that opportunity when it presents itself. Oh, preach brother. No, that's so good. Yeah. Like people, like you said, working out in, in, uh, private or even like going through battles in private, you know, in struggles in private. And then when that comes to the light, you know, your success story comes to the light or your breakthrough moment, no one saw your suffering in quiet, you know, whether it's the hard work, the, the pain, the tears, whatever. Yeah. And I, so <laughs> this is almost a perfect transition to our, our kind of mountains and valleys um, topic here is we, we, we say this all the time to guests coming on, like everybody sees Hunter where you're at right now. They see that professional hockey player. They see a person with the confidence to start their own podcast and really put themselves out there, put their faith out there, put who they are out there. And what they don't see is that mountain that they had to climb, that darkness that they had to go through, all the work that they had to put in to get to the point to where they're at now. Um, so what I like to give our listeners just a little bit insight to is like, what were some of those valleys for you and how did you push through and what were some of the things that you learned when you went through these valleys? Yeah, I, uh, there's quite a few. So let me, um, just, let me start with, uh, one who kind of got me into where I am right now, actually. For sure. I was, uh, I was playing junior hockey my senior year of high school in Fargo, North Dakota. And, uh, that was a big step for me. First time I moved away from home, I was living with a host family and, uh, playing hockey with ages 16 to 21. And I was 17, I think at the time. 
So it was a big step for me from playing from boys to men, also trying to find out who I really am as a person. I'm no longer under mom and dad's roof, et cetera. So I had a pretty uh, tough start to that year and I um, slowly started to plug away um, and I started to find confidence and started playing my game, playing really well. I started to gain the attention. That's the year you get drafted into the NHL when your hockey is your senior year. Um, so I started gaining gain the attention of NHL scouts and starting to get on the radar and almost being projected to get drafted. And at a young age, that's really exciting news to hear, you know, and it starts to really excite you and it gets your hopes up a lot. So long story short, I have a couple meetings with NHL teams uh, after my season. And I'm 17, 18 years old. You know, I'm, I think I'm about to be on top of the world. Yep. Draft, draft day comes. Uh, I sit and watch the draft with my whole family, expecting to be called from the teams who said, like, hey, if you're available in this round, you'll, you'll get drafted. Um, I didn't get drafted. And I went up to the shower. It was embarrassing because my whole family watched. And, you know, it sucks because a kid, it's a kid from a small town, that's what, I, what you could only dream of. Like, it's a fairy tale. Yeah. And once it started getting into my head, like, wow, this could actually happen. I remember after every meeting I had with a scout saying, if you're available, we'll draft you. I would drive home and I would cry because I couldn't believe that I heard those words. And then when I didn't get drafted, I went up to my shower, took a probably like a 30, 40 minute shower and just bawled because I just felt like my hopes were so high. And then I just got a dagger there. And then what's so cool about that is shortly after I got to go to a camp uh, with the Minnesota Wild as a free agent. Okay. And why that's beneficial is because I'm now a free agent and in order for them to keep me, they would have to give me a contract. And if you're drafted, you don't necessarily get a contract. So it's just crazy how something so you think like your world crashes like beneath you. And then I, two weeks later, I go to the camp and I um, decide to forgive my college eligibility and my commitment to Mankato state to accept an initial contract. Yeah. So it goes straight from the, the lowest of the lows to probably a pretty big high for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I literally thought, um, it sucks. It's so hard when you, when your ears tickled like that and you get your hopes up and you really give your heart hope and then it gets broken before you, you know, um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And then it's, you have to, it's okay to have that like defeat, but you don't have to accept it. Like maybe deal with it, accept it for the day, like realize this happened, harness your emotions and then get back to life. You know, it's one day at a time and you know, there's light in a tunnel. I got a call that I was invited to the camp. And if I brought that negative energy or negative emotion to that camp, I wouldn't have made anything from the opportunity, but instead I dealt with it. You know, I bawled in the shower. I was 18 years old. I didn't know how to deal with that kind of emotion. And I used it as a chip on my shoulder and said, no, I'm going to go earn this contract. Oh, that's awesome. That, that, cause that's something that I really want to dive into is, is that quick turnaround from that lowest of a low from the Valley to, all right, now here's my next opportunity. Here's my next opportunity to work. Here's my next opportunity to shine. What was that? It was, there something, maybe it was faith for you. What was the big thing that made you switch in your head that quickly? Because there, there's a lot of people that, that struggle with that disappointment. And, and when you're a person that's going to put yourself out there, you're going to put yourself out there and try to be the best in the world, that disappointment is going to come. The only time that disappointment doesn't come is if we're staying in that middle ground and we're really not pushing ourselves outside of our bubble. But if you're pushing yourself, that disappointment at some point in your life is going to come. So what were some of your keys to really switch around that mindset and be like, all right, disappointment came next, next thing, next thing, next thing. Yeah. So the quick turnaround, not easy because you have to perform, right? You know, mm-hmm. in sports, it's, it's, uh, pressures on, you have to perform and the quick turnaround. I was able to do that, um, a lot because of my faith. Um, at that time, it was, I just became serious in my faith for my own self. I was living it through my parents my whole life, but, uh, at my senior year, I was away from home. I started to find my own faith. And there's a Bible verse that I really um, hang on to. And it's like, blessed are those who act justly, who would always do what is right. And I and I knew that I was being a good person, living right. And I was able to just, I know that no matter what, I'd be blessed. Whether I had a success in the camp or not, I'd be a blessed person because I'm doing good. Secondly, um, my dad. My dad's, uh, he speaks in prison. He's he speaks in schools and he's also a pastor, he travels around the world and does that. So I had a direct impact influence from my dad speaking to me. And one thing he told me before the camp was he's got a tattooed on his chest. Son, tough times don't last, but tough people do. So I was able to go into the camp with a good mindset. And then on the third day of camp, when things are blowing up for me. So the first couple of days of camp, it's all skill work. And I'm not the more, I'm more of the dirty work. Uh, steady Eddie solid defenseman. Yep. So I felt uncomfortable because it was all skill work and I'm going against some very skilled 
players, top skilled for our age in the world. And that's not my time to shine. That's not where I stand out. Like the third or fourth day, there's a scrimmage. And before the scrimmage, uh, I hope you don't mind me saying this vocabulary on it. My dad called me and said, those who hesitate, masturbate. So (laughs) interpret that however you want. But so before the scrimmage, the first thing he said. So uh, my first shift, I went out there and a guy caught a pass coming across the middle and he had his, he was looking behind him and I stepped up and uh, not basically knocked him almost unconscious, concussed him. And um, I'm not saying that you should do that, but it was my way to make myself stand up. I had yeah. to know, I know what I can bring to the table and I had to use what I could do. Cause if I tried to play the other people's game, that's not who I am. And I wouldn't stand out that I had to do what I could do. So yeah, maybe I wasn't the most skilled person, but I knew that I could bring something else to the table. Yeah. That, that, that's awesome. The, 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 the mindset that uh, you can never be the best uh, talking about being the best version of yourself. And if you try to be somebody else, the, the only ceiling that you can reach, like you can never be better than that person. If you're trying to be them. No, no, no. Like we all have our, like you, probably have well you do have awesome gifts and if i tried to do what you did i I would fall short so i have to do what hunter warner can do and you have to do what you can do yeah and then the other thing that i really loved and and it's because i say it a lot is just talking about people staying on the path uh you talked about how you knew if you were doing good consistently that it was going to pay off in the end uh something and this is almost more for my good to try and understand it and where you're coming from psychologically there is where 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 did that click for you because it's always made sense for me and i've always tried to keep keep pushing that for people to understand that if if you are consistently making actions that are moving you forward eventually that opportunity is going to come. And and I think a lot of it comes down to patience is a lot of people want it right now, or they're not seeing the result. And it almost goes back to that work in the dark, but just keeping that faith and keeping that, that light in your life to realize like, yes, it's not working right now, but if I continue on this path, it, it, it's going to eventually. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think honestly, I had a first, uh, firsthand example in my, my dad actually. Um, so just a quick background, not to take you off topic. My dad's a rough and tumble kind of guy. Uh, he's a pro boxer. He's a pro wrestler. He, he hung out with the biker gangs growing up in North Minneapolis. Um, and my mom's an angel. She really is. I don't know how they ended up together, but I'm glad <laughs> they did. She's a sweet blonde girl. Just whatever. His life story is what it's like proof is in the pudding. So he didn't graduate high school. He doesn't have a high school diploma. Uh, he made, became a professional boxer, grew up on welfare, then professional wrestling, uh, Madison Square Garden, etc. And now this guy doesn't have a high school diploma, but he has a degree, a uh, Bible school, college degree. And now he actually is uh, traveling around the world, speaking in prisons, speaking in high schools and ha- pastoring a church twice a week. So it's like this guy who had nothing, who did nothing, t- t- changed his life for the better. And 20 years later has this kind of lifestyle. He's speaking to people's lives. He's counseling marriages. He's, uh, whatever he's giving a message of hope and because he was someone who didn't have anything growing up. So it's like, he was a mess into a message. That's, that's freaking awesome. That's, we all, we have to get your dad on the podcast and talk to him on here too. That, that, that story is awesome. I think one of the coolest things here that I really like about the story is how he's able to convey these messages to you because you see a lot of people that go from rags to riches. And then I feel like they lose almost that connection to the rags. They lose that connection to where that, that chaos can be, how that, what that value can be. And I love that he's able to give that message to other people, you know, like you can be here or you can be here, but here's the journey, how to get there. And don't forget either one of those yes. and how they feel. No, hundred percent. And like one thing, um, he's just, he, he always is honest and he's, uh, you know, one thing about Christianity too, his job, I don't want to bring it in and all about Christianity, but his job is a pastor, right? So he has to give a motivational message with scripture to back it up twice a week. And one, he's very honest. And I think that's what, why people can receive it so much. He's like, yeah, we could sit here and argue doctrine all day long, but you can't argue a changed life. And once he gave his life to Christianity through meeting my mother, his life changed um, dramatically. And that's why it's, and that's why I think he's able to relate it to people because his was so real and so dramatic that he was saying like, whatever your light is in life, if you stick to the path, like you said, and um, opportunity will find you if you just keep doing good and putting good out there, whatever that may be for you. Yeah, for sure. Whatever your path is, as long as you're on it, eventually it's going to, uh, it's, it's going to turn out. Yeah. 100%. Everyone's path is different. So with, with that, um, has he or have you experienced any messages of 
when do you realize you're, you're, you're not on the path or you're starting to fall off the path? Have you had any experience with that with yourself to where you, you experience some self-doubt or you're starting to do things that you know aren't leading you closer to the path? One, how have you caught that in your past? And then how have you realigned it to get back onto the path? Yeah, for sure. So, um, so my path, I believe, is being true to myself loving people and doing good in the world and being healthy, like being healthy mindset, healthy in life, all things wellness. Um, I don't consider just hockey my path. And I actually, unfortunately catch myself off path, not super often, but it's a regular thing. And Mm -hmm. I think that your conscience, you know, when you're not being true to yourself, um, at least for, at least I do. Like sometimes I'll be in a group setting or doing something and I, I'll be betraying myself a certain way or doing mm-hmm. certain actions. And I get home and I'm like, I feel a little bit of guilt. Like, Hey, um, that's not who I really am. Like I'm almost ashamed, you know, like I, I know better than that, like, um, whatever. And I think that you can easily fix it. If, but the first step is being aware of, of that. And I think you feel that, that, um, feeling in your conscious, not being true to yourself for a reason. So be aware, once you're aware of that, then just make the decision the rest of the day to change it and just get back on the train. Yeah. I love that. And then, cause we, we, a lot of like the psychological stuff that I've been reading is, is when, when you, when you know, you're not doing right, you, you know, like you talk about your conscious knows, and then it's the process of fighting your ego of, are you going to lie to yourself about why you were doing those things and justify it? Or are you going to take that ego hit, take that hit to your, who you are and realize, all right, that's not who I am. I need to change that and go forward. And that, 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 that honestly, that part right there has been the biggest switch in me in the past two years of being able to shut off that ego and be like, this, this is not who I am. Now I need to go forward. And I made a mistake in that moment. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that, that, that point is just, I love, there's so many, so many things that you are saying here that I, I say to a lot, a lot of people over and over again. So I love that we're able to have the conversation going forward and keep it, keeping that path and just trying to get different, different viewpoints and different things that we're able to the, the show to listeners of this, yeah. this, is, this is how you make it through that mountain that make it through that path. Yeah, bro. Like even if this uh, episode wasn't being recorded, like if you and I were just talking like we were before the episode, like I, we could just go back and forth on this all day long. Yeah. <laughs> I already, like, I'm already vibing. The same thing. Yeah. So transitioning this into, let's say your, your professional world. So I, I loved your point of you, you can't argue a changed life. One thing I like to do is, and I, I honestly don't think you should have to do this, but I think it helps people is justifying these viewpoints and how they pay off in the end. Cause a lot of people are like, this is fun to talk about. This is good stuff to talk about, but is it going to get me better at my job? Is it going to make me move forward in life? And this is where it's, it's awesome to have leaders like you in here and just talking about how this stuff has paid off in the world of hockey for you and what the world of hockey has been like for you. Yeah. I'm going to start with, I really love what you said is it's fun to talk about this stuff, but like, what is it actually like or how does it actually help? Yeah, it is one thing to talk about it, but being intentional with this stuff that you and I are talking about right now, it's super important because when I don't be intentional, I'm not being intentional with this. I notice after about two weeks or so, I'm like, what did I do these past two weeks? I feel empty. My days were just going by and there was no significance to it. So when I'm practicing what I preach and what we're talking about now, I notice how it's really helped me have inner peace through all circumstances, um, professional sports, professional hockey. It's a roller coaster. Um, it's a performance based business. Um, you're only as good as your last game. And that's a lot of pressure. Uh, I want to say they value it, the coaches and staff, they value as people, but it's also like, what did you bring to the table? Our last match. So if I have a bad game, I'm able to use this stuff and have inner peace and not stress about my last performance and know that, Hey, I've got a game tomorrow time to fix it then, you know, or if maybe I'm not getting the ice time that I want because of a mistake I made, I'm able to stay grounded and stay in that positive perception where, Hey, yeah, I messed up, but I can only control my next shift, you know, where before I was doing this stuff or had this lifestyle or this mindset, man, after a game, if I had a bad game, we'd have a four hour bus ride home. And I honestly was like, my world is just like, that's, that's no way to live or yeah. not, no, that's, 
it's not going to make you better or healthy. I'd sit there for four hours and sulk in my sorrows. And I mean, no one, that's not going to get you to where you want to get in life. It's not going to help you. No, that <laughs> I wrote a lot of, lot of notes on that little part is just trying to live that almost like stoic lifestyle of the, 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 the highs don't define you and the lows don't define you. And you can't live in either one of those because otherwise you'll always be bumping back and forth. Jordan Peterson refers to it as like the chaos and order in life. And you, you got to find a way to balance those two because if you hang out too much in order, the chaos is going to hit you hard and you live in too much chaos and you're, you're always in that chaos. You're always in those lows. So that's awesome. One thing I want to touch on here is the, the revolt results-based versus process-based lifestyle of if you know you are living process-based and you are doing the things that every single moment, everything that you're doing, you are trying to get better. You're trying to do the right thing. That is so much more rewarding. And you talked about how that leads to the feeling of being fulfilled. And I like how you mentioned is when you're not paying attention to these things, that's when you wake up one day and you're like, maybe it's two weeks in, maybe it's 40 years in, but then you're like, you, you have that empty feeling. Well, like when you said that, I knew exactly what you said, feeling empty. I'm like, I know exactly what that means. And that's almost where you're living that, that results-based lifestyle of, I just won. That's awesome. Then, then, then what's next? And it's never that that big fulfilling feel or I just I just failed now I'm, I'm worthless I have I have no worth here yes bro that's exactly what I'm saying and we just I just read um happiness hypop yeah the happiness hypothesis that's the uh, the name of the book and, it, and it's talking about how psychologically if, if you base your if you base your life on those results-based things it, it's never gonna work because the way our minds work is we're always triggered to achieve the next thing so it, it's never the reward that we get from achieving it. it. It's, it's always the process and people that try to fight the reward of the process are always going to feel negative and down about what they're doing. And, and even if they look back in 10 years and see how much they've actually done and accomplished, it's, it's never rewarding for them because they've never taken a chance to live in the moment, live in that process based lifestyle. Yeah, I No, that's so good. And, um, what that resonates with me, cause I'm actually struggling. I struggle with that kind of right now actually is like the what's next thing, because our whole life, you know, you go from grade one to two, grade three to four, you go from youth sports to varsity, from varsity to college. Um, I went from junior to pro I'm in the minors, but it's pro and I've never been able to crack that barrier and get into the top league. And for me, I struggle with that right now. Like what's next? Like I have mm-hmm. such a, and, uh, that's why it's so important to like say that, that because people need to be aware of that, like, it's okay that I'm here, but I want to get to that next step so bad. And I never been fortunate enough to do so. So I personally, can relate to that, like struggling with what's next right now. Yeah. And I I love that you brought that up because I think, again, when we're talking about that, it it seems simple, but especially I think guys like you and I, and any high competitor is always going to be driving and hungry for that next step. And it's got, it's almost like guys like you and I that need that way more in our (laughs) lives of being able to bring ourselves down. So when we talk about it, it's not, it's not at all. Like we are perfect at these things that we're saying. It's just, we know we can get better and we know that's the right way, but Again, if you, you if you are a high level competitor, if you are trying to make that next step, there's no way that hunger is really subsided completely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and everyone's got something next that they want. So yeah. it's, it's being patient in the process, peaceful in the process. Whatever. Yeah, and, and then set, setting that goal so you know what that process, so what, what you're working towards in that process, setting where that path is going to lead to. I think being open enough in your path to realize maybe that isn't where I'm supposed to go, you know, and being comfortable in that. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I agree 100%. So the, the last, last thing on the, the hockey topic and where we want to go, I want to talk about is what really allowed you to make the jump and, and stay where you're at now when, when others haven't. There, there, there's probably millions of hockey people out there that similar skill sets. Like even, I mean, you even mentioned it, how the, the skill set wasn't your thing, um, but you had, you had something else. What, what has allowed you to make that jump and stay where you're at? when others really haven't been able to do that? For sure. Um, I actually love that question too. So what I think why I was able to make the jump for me was uh, I genuinely loved what I was doing. I wasn't sitting there worrying about, I mean, I know I had that draft story, but that's one scenario. But when I was playing and grinding through the process, busy schedule, I was never sitting there worrying about like what was next. I literally just loved what I was doing at the moment. I loved mm-hmm. playing hockey. I loved practicing. I loved being around my friends, my teammates. And I think that's what helped me make the jump because my focus was just like, I'm enjoying this right now. So it's, I'm just doing it. And then it happened, so to speak. Like it just, the chips fell into place yeah. um, just by loving what I was doing. Now, why I believe I was been able to stay um, where I'm at right now, because in the minors, um, people get sent down, people get 
called up. Uh, I haven't been fortunate enough to get called up, but I also haven't get, gotten sent down to the lower league below us. I believe I've been able to stay where I'm at because I found my niche. I found what I was best at. And for the past four years, when I've been on this team, I believe I've um, found a way to do what I do best every night I can. Mm-hmm. And, and be- I think that's it's consistency kind of, you know, like reliable trust consistency. And, uh, I've been able to find my niche and stick to it. Yeah. And the, and the, I think the coaches, when they put you on, on the, on the ice, they know they're going to get Hunter every single time. They're not going to get somebody else, you know, it, right. it, it, it's always going to be you that steps on the court and they can trust and rely on that. Just being in, and we haven't worked, I haven't worked with a ton of hockey people, but being in a lot of football rooms and listening to a lot of football coaches, that's exactly what they, one of the biggest things they talk about in players is if we put him in this big moment or if we put him in this game is he going to be the same player for both of them right yeah it's super important i mean i think that's in any situation in life relationship friendship if you and i are best friends and i get a different i get a different you every time that's not very stable you know yeah but if but if i get the same you every time and i can rely on you and trust you then i believe you stay friends it strengthens the friendship it strengthens the team whatever yeah. So uh, our head coach here at uh, St. Thomas, he said something really cool in a recruiting day yesterday is he's like, nobody has the capacity to be two different people. He's like, a lot of us are very struggle with being one person and being the best version of that self. And a lot of people try to split that personality and trying to be multiple other people. So I thought that was so awesome to hear that is like, we don't have the capacity to be two different people. So put all your eggs into being who you are. Yeah, no, that's way too much. Uh, way too much energy and it's not possible to fulfill. And I've been guilty of it too. I, I am to this day. Like I know who I am. And we talked earlier, sometimes I'm, I'm being someone I'm not. And that's when I feel, you know, a little empty or, or my conscience is heavy. Cause I'm like, no, that's not me. And I'm, I'm tired from trying to be someone I'm not as well. <laughs> yeah. you know? I don't got that energy. <laughs> and I, I love the, um, the, 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 the words that you're using. I just love personally because I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly the feeling and trying to convey that to the people that I work with is just having that, that radar about yourself of what are you actually feeling in this moment and how are you actually feeling? Because when you, when you don't pay attention to it, it can lead you subconsciously down so many different paths and you can just be working. And I think this is where a lot of people that are, that get stuck in that like midlife crisis get stuck in it. They, they get stuck in that pattern of just not paying attention to what they're actually feeling. And then that's been big for me is I, I, when I, I spent four years of football at St. Thomas and, and succeeded a lot and just reached these high levels of athletics. But that was something that it really did is shut everything else off besides that football and try to shut off all these other things just because I didn't want to take that ego hit. I didn't want to look at these things. And I woke up one day and I was like, if I continue on this path, this is going to be, I'm going to wake up when I'm 40 and maybe I accomplished a bunch of things. Maybe I did all this, but I'm going to feel like this and I'm 40 years old and I have a mortgage and kids and I have to take care of all this stuff. And then I don't even have my own foundation built. So when you talk about that, I know exactly what you're saying. And I think it's awesome that you also have that ability to look inside and realize it, it, that feeling is there. 100% bro like you said I feel like we're on the same wavelength and it makes it easy to converse about this stuff but yeah man it's what truly matters in this life and it's really the only thing that we can like really pride ourselves I mean it's good to do good things but it's really good to be a better human and a healthy human as well yeah for sure so with that let's transition to something that I really really find cool about your story is how you're using your platform as an athlete um, and people are looking up to you as this uh, professional hockey player and you're using it for something much bigger in your truth and love podcast. Can you talk about a little bit about why you decided to do that, how it got started and the background story of all of it? For sure. Um, why I got started is kind of what you said earlier is no one has the capacity to be due to two different people, so to speak. Not that I was necessarily doing that all the time, but it's, there was a, there was a part of me that was the real Hunter Warner and this is who I am. And then there was like another part that's like, I just was who I am to myself, if that makes sense, not mm-hmm. to everyone else. Like I just kind of maybe in a silent manner, just went about my business, which mm-hmm. is not a bad thing, but I was just not portraying myself who I really am. I just kept it to myself, if that makes sense. For sure. And I thought that making a podcast, because what I share on my podcast, that's the real Hunter Warner. That's what I'm really passionate about. That's what makes my heart happy or make my heart content doing that sort of speak. And I also thought that the podcast was a good way to maybe I can still be quiet about myself, but because I put that podcast on my stuff and put it out there and plug it, it's there for people who it's like, I'm. it's my way of like saying, this is who I am without mm-hmm. doing it 
Cause I'm not the most loud person. I'm the most talkative person in a social setting. Anyway, I kind of go about my life and I know I'm taking a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I'm just really trying to explain yeah, for what sure. the podcast was. I feel like that was my way of quietly saying this is who I am. Uh, that's um, so I want to dig a little bit deeper into that is has that has the podcast and putting it on social media helped you in regards to real life interactions with people? Is it, was it the confidence or was it just the, the, the breaking the barrier of showing everybody this is who I am? I already put it out there. So now I can be this in social situations or do you still struggle with the thought process of, and especially, and this is what I, especially with my close friends, this is something that I struggle with is being 100% who I am and who I want to be rather than the, the, the friend that they know, you know? Yeah, no, I think everyone struggles with that. Like, I don't, I think it would be, you wouldn't be human if you never thought that or never felt that way, honestly. But Back to your question is I think it was like a break, the breaking the barrier type of thing, because it was uh, saying this is who I am. Um, I mean, if you look, at, I don't know, maybe they don't look into what truth and love is or haven't t- like tapped into it at all. But if they do, it's you can quickly find out like what I'm about. Um, I think it's helped me in social, social settings because it was basically just a little freeing in a sense saying like this is who I am. This is what I love. This is what I represent. And um, I mean... It's kind of like anytime you break a fear of yours, you free yourself a little bit and everyone has a fear. And um, it's kind of like sometimes I think fear can be false pressure that you create yourself, like uh, scared to be who you really are or whatever. And the best stuff is on the other side of that. The most freeing stuff is on the other side of that. And what's funny is once I broke that barrier, um, I felt like people knew me better. People accepted me better. Uh, so it's like funny how fear can hold you back from something really good because starting this podcast too, I've had so many interactions from people that I would have never guessed. Actually, to be honest, a lot of people that I would thought would have judged me for it were the ones that reached out and said, Hey, this really helped me. Hey, this, this spoke to me. Hey, I really think what you're doing is cool. So it's really fear is a liar. A lot of times in my opinion, and it holds you back from free, free things. Yeah. Where you're talking about the people giving you that, that feedback that when I started this company and when I started doing these things, that, that was something that really blew my mind is one, how big of an impact just small things that you do can have. So like starting the podcast, something that you, for me, when I started doing this stuff was, it was really for me, like trying to better myself, trying to put myself out there, like you mentioned, and trying to free myself from the, the chains and the impact that you can have by doing that, it blew my mind. And then the impact those words can have on you and the momentum that can get rolling for you. Like, Holy crap, we have something here. We can do something with this. It was so powerful for me. hundred percent. Yeah, dude, like your stuff is so cool. I mean, I don't know. I think I found you on Instagram maybe like a year ago or something. And I was like, I don't even know this guy, but like what he does is tight. And like, I was commenting on your stuff and I'm like, I mean, what you're doing is like, inspiring me, influencing me. Otherwise I wouldn't comment on your stuff. I didn't (laughs) even know you, you know, but like, it's so cool. Like you don't know who you might impact or who might see your stuff, you know? Well, then one cool thing about this is it, it, it brings people that are like-minded and are going to push you forward in life into your circle. Like without either of us putting out stuff that we put out, we would have never met and we would have never made the connection of being able to have this conversation, being able to talk about these things and going forward. Uh, we would have never had that. We could have all, we could have had the same exact thought processes, the same exact things in our head and ideas. But if we never put it out there, the connection would never have happened. 100%. And now we're doing a podcast. <laughs> now we're talking about this. Uh, a quote that I want to talk about is um, I heard this the other day is fear is doubt dancing in your light and Ooh. basically talking about how your light is where you, how you see your life, how you're going. And if you have fear and a bunch of doubt dancing in that and shouting or shadowing that light up for you and you can't see going forward, your life is going to look very pessimistic. It's going to look like you don't have a ton of opportunities. So I heard you talk about fear on your podcast. And I just want to talk about what was something that allowed you to get over that fear to start the podcast? Or was there even a fear to start it? Which I I assume there was of, because you talk about people that you thought were going to judge you. How were you able to be like, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to get over this fear. I'm going to get over this doubt and, and let my light shine. For sure. Um, I think how I was able to do that was, well, obviously you have to face your fear to get on the other side of it. But I think the logical answer was if I'm not being myself right now anyway, like I'm doing, I want to do this. I want to share this and I'm not doing myself currently because I'm not doing it. And if people, 
I'm not even giving people the chance to really know and like, or dislike the real me anyway. Yeah. And if, if I tried to do everything to please, let's say you as a person, I couldn't please you all the time anyway. So I might as well be the real me and give you the opportunity to like, or dislike me, you know, and yeah. if I'm not even being the real me, I'm not even giving you the real opportunity to like me or dislike me. If that makes sense. No, it does. Oh, you're almost robbing two people. You're robbing yourself of being you. And then you're robbing somebody else of seeing you. hundred percent. So I just thought, Hey, not everyone likes me in this world anyway. <laughs> like a lot. No, I'm just saying like, you know, you can't yeah. please 10 out of 10 people. Um, yeah. you, all, you have your circle. Not everyone's going to like me anyways. I might as well give them the real person not to like. Or, yeah. You know, just, <laughs> yeah, no, that's just, awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Just went with it. And then a little bit of leading up to it. So getting over there's, there's always two parts to an idea. It's like coming up with the idea, being confident idea, being super pumped about it, but then the process of actually doing it, actually taking that first step and actually making that first podcast, actually writing that first short story, actually starting your company. Was there something different there of that, that first actual step, that last actual push, because that's once like we talked about that momentum get rolling. Once the person starts, like not the idea, not this great thing, but actually puts out that first thing that then it usually works out. Then it's usually rolling that it's that you put that out into the world. The world's going to hold you accountable to that. And you have that pressure now to keep going. What was that last thing to like, all right, I'm actually going to record this podcast now. I think it was, uh, I put it out there to a mentor of mine. I said, I want to do this. Blah, okay. blah. And I think it's because I actually put it out there. Same thing as journaling. If you write it down or put it from your thought to words, thought or it comes to fruition, I believe. And I, I put it out there to a mentor and he was like, you know what? I'm going to hold you accountable to that. And then for like a couple months, he asked me, Hey, how's that podcast going? And I was like, well, I actually haven't started, <laughs> but he kept, he kept saying that. And finally I was like, you know what? Like it's game time and bought the bought some cheap equipment and just, uh, put it together and had my best friend from childhood, uh, share about like yep, the first anxiety time. and depression. Yeah. So just kind of went with it. And luckily I put it out there to a mentor and he kind of kept on my case. Boom. I love that. <laughs> Cause that's, that's what I tell people all the time when they have these ideas. I'm like, you got to tell somebody and you have to have somebody that is little, like I say like ride your ass about it because like, like he continued to say it, continued to say it. And Bro, you're like, then, then you, then you got to the point of like, Oh man, I don't want to let him down. Like he's, <laughs> he's somebody that's making my life. So I that's, that's a freaking awesome point that you made. Yeah. You know, and, uh, it's cool to have those kind of people in your circle who are in a proper manner will be, um, on your ass. Like you said, or whatever saying like, Hey, how's that podcast going? You know? So it's, it's good to have those people in your life and, um, uh, push you and challenge you and, um, someone you look up to. Yeah. And this is, this is kind of a thought process that I've been on recently is, is when you try to be a leader, when you are the professional hockey player, like you have a lot of people looking up to you, you know, like a lot of people are looking up to you. A lot of people are looking to you for leadership. But one thing that I've been trying in my life and making sure that I have in my life is people that are looking at you, people that are holding you accountable because when, you have people looking up to you. It's a, it's a different relationship as these people are going to follow you and tell you you're doing good, but you need people that are going to look at you and hold you accountable and be like, where, where is that podcast that you talked about? Where is this thing that you talked about? Where is this idea that you talked about? So that is just something personally that I've been trying to work on. Yeah. Yeah. I have an analogy for that too. Actually, one of the, someone told me this, uh, in church one day, it sums up what you just said, in my opinion. And I think it's so perfect. So like, say, if you're like, you're a leader, say you have, you're helping people, your cup hat, like say you're a pitcher of water, your pitcher has to be full to fill everyone else's cup. Mm -hmm. So who's like, who's pouring into you? Like who's pouring into your pitcher for you to fill the cups? You know, like if your cup's not full, if your pitcher's not full, you have nothing to pour in, pour into people. No, that, so that's, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's awesome. That's uh, we, we that's a strength conditioning um term actually we use all the time about we we, we refer, refer to it in the recovery sense of like you only have so much water in your cup uh if you're pouring this much into training, this much into your sport, this much into, let's say a relationship that's stressful. And then you're not refilling with sleep and nutrition, like your cup's going to be empty. But I love the more global aspect of as a human, you have a cup. And if you're pouring all these things out, who is putting back into you? Yeah, bro. That's so good. It can relate to anything. Like you said, that's so good. Write that down. Make sure we keep that global aspect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what, um, last thing about the podcast is what is kind of our goal and future of the podcast? Is it something that's because now that you broke the barrier of you started it with the thought process of, all right, I'm going to tell the people who the real me is and what I really want to talk about. Now that you've broken that barrier, what's the next step for the podcast and what's kind of your global goal of it? Yeah. So 
I mean, I think it's a ways away, but uh, I want to turn it into eventually like a ministry, so to speak. Uh, my okay. dad, he, he traveled when I was a child. He was traveling around the world to prisons, schools, churches, just like I had said. And um, I believe in life. Um, that's why I named it truth and love. You know, eventually I want to go around and I mean, I haven't had my first opportunity yet, but I want to share truth and love. And I believe that's, uh, the biggest thing this world needs. I mean, if I tell you something in love, but I don't give you the truth, there's no benefit. If I tell you something of truth, but not in love, you can't receive that. So I believe in doing so it's truth and love. And I want to, um, do something bigger than myself. You know, this world's a hard place. Um, life is short. Life is precious. Um, I just want to share a good message of truth and love. What I believe is um, truth and love and, and let people taste and see, you know. That's awesome. I've, I've never heard it put that way of you need both because you can share the love without the truth and you're leading them down the wrong path and you share the truth without love and they're not going to let that. That's some good stuff right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I've had a coach um, maybe tell me the truth, but not in a loving way. And yeah. that doesn't make me sensitive. It just made me think, man, like I, I don't need to listen to you, like almost bitter. And I've had someone give me love without the truth. And I and I needed the truth to get better. You know, yeah. I was not playing. I was getting scratched, like sitting, not in the lineup. And he was just telling me, my, my past coach, oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. That's obviously not the truth. Or I'd be playing, you know, yeah. so he, he should have told, you know, so it's both, baby, truth and love. <laughs> yeah, that's getting started. I'm, I'm going to go back and dig a little bit deeper into that. Those two points of like you talk about, you even brought it up with your coaching, but trying to find a way to better my communication style as a coach is one balancing the two of what does this person need? Do they need truth in this moment or do they need love in that moment? Or what do they need most of? Do they need 60% truth, 40% love, you know, that type of thing. Um, 100%. But making sure aspects of both of them are there. Like you said, like, I can't tell somebody that is beat up that they're not playing like, Oh, you're doing great. And like, they, they know deep down they're not. And they want to, <laughs> they want to know why otherwise they would be on the field. Right. Exactly. I was like, what do you mean, man? I, I, I sit more than I play. <laughs> like, yeah. tell, me, tell, tell me something. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So with that gold nugget that I'm, that's probably going to be the title of the podcast. Let's roll into our rapid fire rounds. <laughs> What are some of your favorite books that you think people can really listen to and either help with that helps with your mindset or that you really think people can listen to to help with digesting the mindset that you try to put out? Yeah. So for me, I'm going to go, uh, with people fuel. And if I can say why, um, I'd love to say why quickly, because coming from me, I have, I believe in faith. I believe in God. Um, I'm not trying to throw, shove that down anyone's throat by any means, but I'm just saying it matches psychology. For someone who might be seeking Christianity or seeking psychology, you get a really good blend of both. Uh, oh, that's awesome. I like that. Yeah. All right. So who's a guest that you think we should have on that fits kind of this um, this mindset piece that can give give stuff like this to the listeners and really push it forward that you think people need to hear? I have a couple. Okay. Um, I'm not biased. Uh, I could say my dad. Yep. He's I want a, your dad on after he's listening a pretty, to this story. He's a pretty cool <laughs> individual. Um, or even my older brother, who is an awesome guy. He's got his first professional boxing fight on Friday the 17th. Okay. And he's had a he's had a story of 20 defeats and one victory, so to speak. Uh, every triumph he could face, he faced it and went to rock bottom. And once he hit rock bottom, um, was vulnerable, made some changes in life. And I've never seen a night, night and day change in someone's life. It's, you wouldn't recognize the man. Was this the, the older brother that, uh, that you guys transferred schools for? Yes. Okay. Yes. Sweet. That's awesome. Yes. Um, powerful story. Great man. Uh, and then I hate to be biased again, even my younger brother, he's currently in Iraq right now. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, serving a country. Uh, he's just, he's an awesome dude. Um, I look up to him, obviously serving our country, a soldier. Um, but he's just a sacrificial dude for many things he does in life. And there's much more to him than what you see on the outside. So you guys kind of have a, a stone cold studs of family members, huh? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't want to be biased, but they just, they have a mess. Everyone's got a message, but I've heard theirs, you know? Yeah. Which is awesome. Like, and yeah. I, I'm definitely going to look into having all three of them on <laughs> just, just based off your recommendation of this. Like 
like you said, they, they, they all have a message message in a in different way and different viewpoints of that message. And I love how they're all kind of taking it in their own realm. Like your, yeah. your dad's the preacher and kind of the, the whole foundation of all of you and your brothers going boxing and then your younger brothers in the army, which all have different ways of doing it. Right. Right. Yes. Same message from our dad, but took it our own way. Yeah. That's <laughs> I, I'm definitely going to go into the rabbit hole of showing the dad and how it branches out. That, that'll be awesome. That'll be so cool to see of the four different ways to do that. But let's go into our next question of when you, uh, when you leave this earth, what do you want your legacy to be? And what really is next for you? Love what, what my legacy is love. Uh, what's next for me? A little bit of truth and love. Um, I believe we're created on purpose for a purpose and to love people. Gotcha. Is, um, when we have what's next for you, is there a big, a big thing that you want to push? Is it going full time with the podcast? Is it making that next step in hockey? What is that next thing that allows you to display that message to bigger people? Or is it just repetitively getting better at the message? That's a really good question. I don't have the best answer for it yet, um, no but definitely repetitively getting better at the message for sure. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Last question. And this is kind of one of my favorite messages are questions is you have a, uh, you have a minute with a person that's coming to you. They, they, um, they really want to better their lives. They, they're in one of these valleys that we talked about They're They're in one of these holes that really can't see the light out of it. What is one billboard message that you can give them to help them out of it? You can't change tomorrow or you can't change yesterday, but you can change tomorrow. So you, all you have today is what you make of it. So if you're if you're empty, um, best place to start, I guess is rock bottom, make a change today. Whatever that might be, you can't change yesterday, but you can change tomorrow. I love that. Uh, have you have you read any of uh, Jordan Peterson's stuff? I have not. So tw- if I'm going to give a book recommendation to you, 12 Rules for Life is one I think you love because one of his rules is compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who somebody else is today. It's a, it's a, it's a very similar message of you can't change what you've done and you can't change what other people are doing. And So why compare yourself to those two things? Compare yourself to getting better every single day, which is an awesome message. And that's how his whole 12 rules is kind of a whole recipe for getting out of these valleys. And like you said, starting at that, like you mentioned, starting at that rock bottom is the best place to start. Like there's nowhere to go down from there. It's only up. (laughs) You might as well start then. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was awesome having you on the podcast. I I love that we got to geek out a little bit about kind of (laughs) two of our passions and going over some of these things. So I'm I'm definitely going to get some of your, uh, some of your relatives on this podcast and talk to them about uh, some of the similar questions and maybe get some dirt on you and give them some stories about you, but uh, plenty of dirt, plenty. Of dirt. <laughs> but thanks for being on the podcast today and joining us. Yeah. Thanks brother. I appreciate you having me and uh, I love what you're doing. Keep it up. I mean, you inspired me and um, so you never know who might see it. Thanks for listening. Keep chopping wood. Mm-hmm.